Welcoming everybody to another episode of the Next on Deck Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Deegs. You can follow me on Twitter at Deegs underscore baseball. Joining me today, as always, as he always does, as we talk on a regular basis, Mr. Ryan Venancio. You can find him on Twitter at Ven underscore Armbarn. Ryan, how are we doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, you know, we are in 2022 now. Uh, thank God, because 2021, kind of a shitty year, not going to lie. So glad that we are, you know, moving on from that. And hopefully, hopefully we'll have some baseball on time in 2022, huh? Let's hope so. I'm uh, beginning to be a little more pessimistic um, just because we, we haven't heard anything. There's literally been zero talk, like zero conversation uh, at all about the lockout. I can't imagine that's a good thing. uh, I'll tell you what, it's definitely a bad thing. So um, before we get this podcast going, I want everybody listening to this podcast to congratulate Ryan for getting an 86% on one of his final exams. Ryan is uh, studying to be a data analyst. And um, today, before this podcast, before he was going to get on here and talk about fantasy baseball, he was grinding away, learning about how to be a data analyst and got an 86% on his final, which Ryan, in case you're wondering, is a higher score than I've gotten on a test in my four years of college. So congrats, man. Yeah, the, the threshold is only a 75, so it's not really, not really, even really that hard, but thank you. Thank you. I'm uh slowly learning python it is not fun at all yeah dude i like looked into it at least you know because like a lot of uh uh a lot of big league teams require you to like know python and like sqr and stuff and for all like the my job basically i should probably learn how to do it and it was like learning a a foreign language i i thought my head was going to explode it's it's a lot of grinding you have to um you have to put a lot of work into it yeah. So, all right. Well, enough of the the the, the bullshit of our lives that, that nobody really cares about. Um, today, we are going to take a break from talking about uh, ADP and, and positional breakdowns. And we're going to kick off this new year with a little bit of dynasty talk. Um, this was a spur of the moment idea. Uh, we were, We did not plan this out at all. So it'll be interesting to see how this podcast goes. But um, there's been a lot of dynasty talk on Twitter as of late. I think it's mostly because there's legitimately nothing going on right now. Um, so all of the attention is drawn to the future the prospects. It is this time of year where, you know, dynasty rankings from various different publications and whatnot start to roll out. So we are going to be hitting today on this wonderful podcast on how to approach dynasty leagues, how to approach dynasty startups. More specifically, Ryan's done a few of those throughout this winter and off season and has some pretty valuable insight on how he goes about it. Um, I'll provide my insight on how I go about stuff like that and whatnot. We'll talk about prospects, how you should value prospects, how you should view them in dynasty and some other tips and tricks, you know, the age curve and whatnot. So um, Mr. Renancio, a couple of weeks ago, maybe maybe a month ago by now at this point, on your Twitter at Ben underscore Armbarn, again, please go follow him, um, you had tweeted something out about how you would prefer to play in Dynasty startups and whatnot because of how people approach them and essentially how a lot of people do not draft to win now in Dynasty. So kind of just when, when you're in a startup, you in, in your little apartment in, in New Jersey, you're, you're sitting on your laptop, ready to go, ready to draft. 
in a brand new dynasty league. What's going through your head? What are your thoughts? How are you approaching this? What are your strategies? All that fun stuff. So I look to win year one, year two. And that's pretty much what I'm just drafting for. Um, I got to take this. Um, I got to take this cough drop out of my mouth. Hold on one second. Okay, guys. Ryan is, in fact, battling somewhat of a cold. He's okay. He's worried Sorry, about I thought, sounding great. I thought I, would, I thought I was going to be able to talk with it in my mouth. It was a bad idea. So I look to win in year one and year two and be set up to win in the future. So I know a lot of people say, oh, well, I'm trying to look to win in the first three years. I'm gathering prospects for the first two years and looking to trade them. I'm drafting players that I know are going to give me two great years this year and the next. And I'm not really worried about the future because I have all these prospects that I could either unload or if they, they come out and contribute, I keep them. Um, I think the biggest thing is you gotta, you gotta have multiple options. Um, so in drafting a guy like O'Neill Cruz, I find my, I've done two dynasty startups. I've taken him in the fourth round and then in the fifth round. He's a perfect player to start your dynasty league with. Why? Well, if a team goes off to a slow start, let's say, I have O'Neill Cruz. My team's in first place. You know, it's the middle of May. Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story are off to a cold start. I have O'Neill Cruz who's still in the minor leagues. If someone is in like eighth or ninth and they're kind of just maybe giving up, I can trade O'Neill Cruz for Lindor or Trevor Story. They're going to take that trade 10 times out of 10. Or O'Neill Cruz starts the year with, with Pittsburgh and, he, and he's crushing it and I keep him. A guy like that just gives you multiple options, multiple avenues of it. You're not just stuck. What, what I'm getting at is, when you draft old players, there's nothing wrong with having old players. When you draft old players, guys like Joey Votto, Justin Turner, in a dynasty league, if they're already on your team, that's fine. But in a dynasty startup, you don't want a bunch of those guys. The reason being, there's no real trade value for them. Let's say Justin Turner or Joey Votto, I don't know, get hurt. They're 37, 38 years old now. They're basically useless. So what I would rather do is have one of your 30th, 40th round prospects. Trade them for Turner or Vado instead of using a 15th, 16th round draft pick on them. What I'm, is what I'm saying making sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... So the way I, you know, approach a dynasty startup is I want guys that are in their mid twenties or a pros or a prospect that I think is on the verge of breaking out because there's two avenues. They either break out in the minor leagues and I trade them or they break out in the major leagues and I keep them. And if they, if they don't play well, you know, they don't play well, but if you're able to have an entire team of young players, it gives you a lot of options to trade 
you know, trade trade for any type of player you want, really. It, it you can go into a bunch of different avenues. Again, yeah, I I'm, think I think what you said with like 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 drafting older players, drafting veterans, drafting guys that are you know 34, 35, 36 years old. Um from a from a trade standpoint, definitely like like obviously Nelson Cruz is not gonna have much trade value in a dynasty league, right? The guy's ancient. Um, not many people are going to be, you know, wanting to get their hands on Nelson Cruz. But if you were, you know, let's say Votto sitting there later on in the draft, you need a first baseman, you're trying to win early on. I would not be opposed to, you know, pulling the trigger on guys like that, that might go later in the draft, honestly, probably will go later in the draft because of the fact that they're old and people are like, well, this is a dynasty league. Like, three to five years down the road, Drivado is going to be done playing baseball. Like, why would I draft him when I could draft, you know, insert 23-year-old first baseman? Um, I think if you're going for it, you have to have that, those guys on your team, those guys that aren't sexy, that, you know, don't have any value in the future, but they're going to give you stuff right now. So the reason why I don't like doing that, so in this draft that I just did, in the 15th round, I took Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, 15th round, 218th overall. The reason why I'd rather have a guy like that instead of Joey Votto is that in whoever drafted Joey Votto, let's say they their team gets off to a slow start and they're going to try to trade Joey Votto. I would rather trade for the Joey Votto, Justin Turner. I know I already, I'm kind of repeating myself, I already said this, but I would rather draft Pasquantino over those guys. Because you have leverage, basically. Because then I can, tr- if someone's trying to get rid of Votto or Turner, I'm not giving up Vinny Pasquantino for him. I'm giving up my 45th round pick for one of those guys. They're only going to give yeah. you one, one or two more good years. Yeah. So what you're basically just drafting value. I am just drafting value. Like who gives me the most value at this range? Because the team you draft isn't going to be anywhere close to the team you have three months from now. Um, so again, I would just rather draft Pasquantino is perfect guy. He's going to be the Royals first baseman or DH in a couple of years. So if he really blows up in AAA this year, I can trade him for a pretty decent player. Someone that got drafted uh, probably ahead of him. But if I took Joey Votto there and he gets hurt or he has a down year, that it's, what does he, what does he give you? Three good months. Yeah, one, and I mean, one good obviously... one good year. It's just, I don't know. I just don't. I, I don't like drafting the really old guys unless they fall like yeah in like the thirties, thirtieth round, something. It's like all that. about it's... relative to obviously where they're where they're going, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like if you get a guy like that that's going to play every day, um, and you need to fill that spot in like the twenty something round or, or or later on in the draft, right? Pull the trigger. You're getting a guy that's going to be in the big leagues contributing now, as opposed to waiting for some 20, 21, 22 year old to come up. Um, we'll, we'll hit on prospects later, but let's say, so another thing that I, I, I feel like needs to be addressed in terms of dynasty startups is, is kind of how you address prospects and, and, and guys that are highly ranked, you know, by the industry, by whatnot, you know, your CJ Abrams, your Corbin Carroll's, your Anthony Volpe's, uh, even Noelvi Marte, these, these 19, 20, 21 year olds that are two to three years away from the big leagues. Um, they're not going to help you right now. 
Um, they're not going to help you, honestly, probably for three or four years because even when they do come up to the big leagues, not everybody is Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis Jr. that hits it right, you know, gets going right out of the gate. How do you approach drafting those guys early on? I've seen some dynasty leagues, some mock drafts where, where some of these guys are going uh, really high, like first round, second round, third round. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like taking a guy like Noel Marte, who isn't going to be in the big leagues until he, like, you know, 2023 or 2024. And even then he's probably not going to be like, the the guy for you right out the gates he definitely could be but at that point you're like three four years into a dynasty league um i'm not i'm I'm not feeling too great about that oh no so um the one i'm doing novi novi Marte went in the fifth round um julio rodriguez went in the second round bobby witt went in the second round which i kind of understand cj abrams in the third round you know, I don't like to go that route. Um, the players I started my team with are Jose Ramirez, Sandy Alcantara, Austin Riley, Trent Grisham, Marcus Simeon, O'Neill Cruz, Dalton Varsho, Emmanuel Classe. All those guys are going to be in the big leagues next year, are within 23 to 29, 28 years old. Uh, Simeon's an outlier, but Simeon lasted until like the fifth round for some reason, so I had to take him. Um, those are the guys I want to start my team with because they're in that year one, year two window where they're going to help me this year and next year. And then again, I have, I would rather take the next Nolvi Marte instead of taking him in the fifth round. It's, I, the only thing I could think of is that they're drafting them to trade them. Um, so this guy drafted Wander, Lindor, Novi Marte, and Marco Luciano. Oh, he's um, stocking up. <laughs> he also drafted Luis Severino, Alberto Mondesi, and Luke Voigt, Mike Clevenger. Drafted Pedro Leon really early. This is very kind of painful. I'm not gonna lie. Very weird draft. Um, the only yeah, the only thing I could think of like Bobby went in the second round. I don't mind. I don't mind that, and I honestly um, don't mind J Rod in the second round either because those guys are close. Like, like Wit is going to be in the big leagues at some point this year, right? He's going to be playing every single day. He's the future of the Kansas City Royals. Like, I don't mind pulling the trigger on guys like that, especially if they're going to give you fantasy contributions because you know that they're close to the big leagues. Like Josh Jung, another guy later on in the drafts. Um, he'll probably be up this year. Like Adley Rutschman is probably going to be up this year. Like those prospects that are obviously highly touted that are going to give you value either now or, you know, relatively soon. That's fine. Especially if they're superstars and like talented players. But I remember like a couple of years ago when the whole Jason Dominguez thing was going crazy, like that guy was going extremely early in drafts. He wasn't, he couldn't even, like he would, if, if he was in the United States, he wouldn't have even been able to legally vote. And he was getting drafted like unbelievably high. I just, I, I feel like taking, like, I honestly, I think a perfect example of that is you said Noelle Marte went in the fifth round and you got Marcus Semyon in the fifth round, right? Like how many years is it going to take Noelle Marte to put up, and to give you what Semyon's going to give you now and over the next two years 
at the big league level. Probably a lot. Mar- Marte might not even be in the big leagues by yeah, 2023 and, or 2020. The chances of him even being half as good as Marcus Simeon are very slim. Yeah, so it's like... Marcus Simeon's a, a 30 and 15 guy. I mean, that's... It's like... And this this can kind of be a good segue into our next um, our next topic here. But um, it's like taking these young guys early on, if you're trying to win, which you should always try to win, right? You don't get you don't get a prize, you don't get a cookie or, or anything for having the best farm system in in like your dynasty league, right? It's just it's it's kind of the same thing in actual baseball. Like the teams that have good farm systems typically are bad and it's because they've spent all this time you know obviously there's the outliers the Dodgers and the Yankees that are always good but um you know like your teams perennially at the top of all of the actual farm system rankings typically are pretty bad and that's not the point the point is not to have the best prospects the point is to win games and in 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 fantasy if you have all these prospects you're drafting guys like that super early on guys that will not help you in the big leagues for two to three years your team's going to probably suck. Um, And so at that point, you're just paying an entry fee to have no chance of winning. Now, the way that, you know, you and I have, and you kind of briefly touched on this earlier, where like you want to draft versatile guys that you can either trade them if they're tearing it up or keep them if they're tearing it up to help you out. I think that is the ultimate way to um address prospects like i you need to use these guys as as trade chips especially nowadays in the fantasy baseball industry that we have where prospects are extremely overvalued in my opinion they're i mean i i think we have we have put a lucrative price tag on prospects as a whole uh when the when the reality is is that like most of these guys are not going to be what they're touted to be and if they are it's not going to be right away like there are countless examples of people like of players that come up and struggle and struggle for a long time because like the acclimation process from the minor leagues to the big leagues is very real not everybody's a superstar right out of the gate that's honestly like the extreme minority um and like we we draft these guys highly, we put this this price tag on these players, and you just get let down. So like, what is your you know process with prospects? Are you like the kind of guy that you're just trying to accumulate as much talent as you can to trade it away to help your team win? Um, just kind of what's your thought process with that? Generally, I like, I've always liked the forgotten about prospects or the guys that come up and aren't good and get sent back down. Uh, for example, I was diving in today, Jackson Coar. Um, I believe I'm about to take him around pick 500 in this dynasty startup that I'm doing, um, which is a joke because he was the top, it was the Royals top pitching prospect uh, last year. And he was the top hundred prospect in baseball, but because he came up and pitched a few innings and had no command, um, I guess he's, he sucks now <laughs> after after 15 innings pitched in the major leagues. Um, But I like those guys more because I can dig deep and look at what they have to offer. Um, Kohar has a ton of movement on his pitches. He averages 97 miles an hour on his fastball. And in in AAA, he had unbelievable numbers. So it's right there. It's a guy I want to buy. Mackenzie Gore, 
another example. Um, I just took him around. I took him three picks. At, someone took Ryan Weathers ahead of Mackenzie Gore. It's unfathomable how far he's dropped in dynasty leagues. Um, those are the kind of prospects I like to target. Uh, later on, earlier on, I like to see guys that put up really good numbers in the minor leagues. That, that makes them a lot easier to trade. So going back to the Pasquantino example, he absolutely tore up high A and double A. If he goes and tears up triple A, I know I can get a good player for him because, you know, the person's going to look up his stats and be like, wow, he's going to be really good. Um, the Royals have a huge logjam at first base in DH. So when he gets called up, I don't know, but that's not my concern anymore. I can trade him for someone that, you know, is going to contribute right away. Um, so basically, I either want prospects that have performed in the minor leagues or have came up to the majors, struggled, and I can see an avenue for them, um, you know, competing at the big league level. Um, I'll even take a shot sometimes. Carter Keyboom, I don't even think he's been drafted yet around like the late 400s in this dynasty that I'm in. But he's had the prospect pedigree. I believe he was a first round pick. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, Nationals top prospect. He hasn't shown anything at the big league level. His minor league numbers aren't that great. But if he's going really, really, really late, I'll take a chance on him just because you never know. Maybe he gets buff one off season. Maybe he figures something out. And he, it's all about price. It's all about value. That's all this really is. You're just trying to find the best values. Um, I said the biggest advice I have with prospects is I never like to reach because there's always going to be the next guy. Like yeah. no, no, Alvi Marte went in the fifth round. There's going to be another Nolvi Marte next year. Jason Dominguez went in the 10th round in this dynasty startup. There's going to be another Jason Dominguez. Um, and he's going to get taken in the 45th round instead of the 10th round. And they're probably only a year apart. Um, this hypothetical prospect on Jason Dominguez. So it's like, I don't know. My two big rules. I, I don't want to reach for prospects and I don't want to reach for um, older players that are only going to contribute for a year. Yeah. The place so to, the I place... would rather reach for a 26 year old. That's going to give you six more years of production. The place to uh, take your shots to, you know, find that flash in the pan is, is definitely towards like, like the end of, of your drafts. And honestly, like, if you're in a dynasty startup or if you're in a dynasty league, go trade for guys that have pedigree and suck because like, you know, all it takes, all, all it takes, I promise you. Okay. I know how this prospect industry works. All it takes is for Mackenzie Gore to light it up for a month and a half next year in the minor leagues to finally be healthy again, because it's very clear that over the last two years, he has not been healthy. Um, it, it, it takes a month and a half of him shoving it up people's asses in AAA and hitting 96 or 97 with his fastball for his you know, status to skyrocket back up. And you know what I would do then? I would ship his ass to whoever wants him because he's a pitching prospect and uh, you know there's always going to be some volatility there. Or if you decide to keep him... Less than two years ago, everybody was touting Mackenzie Gore to be the next best thing since sliced bread. So, like, 
uh, you have to take your shots, take your shots on 18, 19 year old international kids later on in the draft in the thirties, the forties, the fifties, somebody who tore up the DSL, take that guy with your last pick, some 17 year old that no one's ever uh, heard of guy like Carlos Colmenares, um, the Rays international signee from last year. Uh, yeah. I'm again, I'm a pick 500. No one's taken him yet. Those are the kind of prospects I want to take in the 30th round or after. Because all it takes is one of those guys to blow up. You trade him for a big leaguer, and then it's done. It's done. You just traded some 19-year-old kid for a guy who's already playing in the big leagues. Uh, I mean, that's the way. Essentially draft that player in the 35th round. Yeah, that's the way to go about it. Um, You know, if you're in, in a dynasty startup, unless you're going into a dynasty league, which you should not do this. I would not advocate to do this where you are just straight up planning on tanking for one or two years and getting the best possible prospects you can. And like, I'm not drafting anybody over the age of 25 or anything. Again, I've seen people do that. Not the best way to go about it, but unless that is your plan, just, just take guys, take young guys who are going to give you shots to win. um, And then take your shots later on in the draft. Once you have your established core, I think that's the way to go about it. Um, I think that's the way to value prospects. View them as trade ships. Don't view them as like, wow, this guy is going to help my team in three years. And that leads to, you know, kind of the final thing we'll close off this podcast with kind of a shorter one, but how do you value age in terms of, you know, analyzing, you know, players in a dynasty format? So like, for example, most people that do dynasty rankings, when you talk to them, they'll tell you it's a three to five year window. Like what are these guys going to be in three years? Okay. Um, And I honestly think that's why some people, when they go into dynasty drafts, they decide that they're not going to take those shots on 28, 29, 30 year olds because they're playing for this three year window. Um, You know, personally, from my standpoint, you got to go in with this mentality. Like I'm going to win year one. I'm not going to pay, you know, $50, whatever, every single year to come in 12th place because I drafted, you know, a teenager in the third round that is, hasn't ever played above high a, like go in there, try to win. And honestly, don't even really worry about the whole three year to five year thing, because there's a pretty decent chance, unless you're playing with a group of buddies that, you know, that are, you know, like your, your guys, you guys talk all the time. It's a really active lease, like, like stuff like that. Your, your dynasty league is probably not going to last that long. Like, for example, I joined the dynasty league with some industry folks um, my sophomore year of college when I was first doing this fantasy stuff. Admittedly, my team in that league sucks, completely sucks. I drafted like a moron. Um, this was before I started diving into any, any of the fantasy stuff. And that league's done. And that was – I'm a senior, so that was two years ago or three years ago. It was two two years ago but three seasons ago. And, and like – it's over like that, like, like that league doesn't exist anymore. So like, how do you go about, you know, valuing players? Uh, just kind of give me your thoughts on, on what I just said. If, if, if it all made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I already I touched on it, but I can elaborate more. I kind of just go with the this year and next year plan. I think three to five years is just too many years down the road. Um, I'm just worried about this year and next season. That's it. And I just want as many assets that can help me for those next two years as possible. Um, I generally try to go between 22 and 28 years old. That's generally a player's prime. Um, you know, I mean, there's been some, 
studies done that normally like uh, peak is younger than you think. Like peak for a baseball player is usually like 24, 25 years old. And then it slowly goes downhill from there. Obviously, every player is different, but for the majority of baseball players, they have their peak season. Um, you know, look at a guy like Mookie Betts. Uh, what was he, 25 when he won MVP? Yeah. 26. And he's only gone slowly downhill from there. Chris Bryant won MVP at 25, I believe. Slowly gone downhill from there. That's the average. Obviously, these players are still really good. But if you sold Chris Bryant or Mookie Betts at their peak value, I mean, you would have gotten way, oh. way, more, than, way oh. more than what they're worth now. Yeah, so... Uh, 22 to 28 is generally the range. And I know you didn't really ask this, but um, to that point, buying and selling, I know it's really hard sometimes to sell a player when his value is the highest, but it's just something you have to do. You just have to play the odds. Um, and again, if, if you're playing for fun, draft whoever the fuck you want. But if you're playing to win money or to profit or to break even, you can't be tied down to these players emotionally. I know it's really hard, but you got to play to win. And, um, you know, selling guys when they just came off their best year at 26, 27 years old, a guy like Cedric Mullins. I love Cedric Mullins um, in redraft leagues and in dynasty leagues. But if you can get, you know, a guy coming, a guy coming off a bad year that's more talented than Mullins, or, you know, a better player than him just because he's coming off a 30-30 season. It's something you have to do. Uh, you just, just have to play the odds. I mean, Mullen, the chances of Mullins having a better year are very slim. I mean, he's just going to be slowly going downhill like most players at that age. Um, so to so wrap it up, I would say you want, I don't know, a guy like Austin Riley, for example, he's 24, he's 25 years old. He's coming off a great year, but he's very young. And you know, you're going to get this year and next year, you know, he's going to be about the same player. Um, you just want players that have shown something at the big league level that have the chance to get better. Um, it's hard to find. You got to do your digging. Guys like Dalton Varsho. Guys like Trent Grisham, they have the skills, they have the playing time, and they're at that perfect age where they haven't had their career year yet. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm kind of just rambling. No, no. I honestly, I think you you brought up a good point about the buy-sell thing because it's, it's hard, right? Like if a guy, you know, like a Cedric Mullins – or, you know, even Austin Riley to an extent, the fact that he was a, above 300 hitter last year, um, if you don't believe that that, like, he can do that again, or like 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 Cedric Mullins going 30-30 again, um, like, it's hard, but if you get, it's, and right, obviously, it's all about value, right? You have to, how you evaluate those players, how you value somebody is all going to take into it. Like it's all going to be taken into account and that's a hard thing to do. Um, but like, if you get a good offer and you get a haul for somebody, like you gotta just, you gotta take it and it sucks. But like, if you think like there are one year wonders and conversely, there are guys that have really shitty years that 
are capable of obviously bouncing back. You know, like we talked about that early on in, in the first podcast we did for, from a redraft standpoint, how you like taking guys that had bad years. that are still good players that are, are capable of bouncing back. I think the same thing applies to dynasty um, like uh, Cody Bellinger. I feel like so, so many people think that Cody Bellinger sucks um, and he did have an absolute dog shit year, but I mean, the fact of the matter, the guy was hurt. He is an incredible talent. He won an MVP award. Um, I feel like some people forget about that. Um, a couple of years ago, like Otani, when he was dealing through all his injury stuff, again, still super talented. And honestly, even to an extent, because of how crazy some of the, um, you know, expectations were put on him, Vlad, Vlad came up and everybody was like, Vlad definitely did not have a bad rookie year by any means. And everybody was kind of disappointed because of, you know, these ridiculous expectations that were put on some 20 year old kid. Um, And, you know, you could have bought Vlad low. I think I remember you definitely tweeted or wrote something about buying Vlad because this was the absolute lowest his value was ever going to be. And and what does he does? He he goes out there and if Otani didn't do something that's never been done before, he probably would have been the American league MVP. So it's all about, you know, finding those guys and assessing value, 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 value. I think we've said it 50 times in this podcast alone is the most important thing when it comes to buying, selling, trading, drafting, all that good stuff. So, I mean, unless you have anything else, we can, we can wrap this up. You know, this is kind of just a good discussion, nothing crazy, nothing in structure, but just some, just some, you know, dynasty strategy stuff. I know that you know, you love playing dynasty. It's something that I prefer more because just the prospect standpoint and stuff and redraft, obviously redraft is, is King most of the time. Cause it's a year to year basis. You start fresh dynasty leagues are definitely cool. And, and they're always going to give you that kind of real life general manager type aspect. Yeah. Um, real quick, just to wrap up, because I know we mentioned Mullins and Bellinger. Let's, that's the perfect example. Um, if someone, you know, is listening and wanted an example, um, if I had, if I had Mullins, I would trade him for maybe Bellinger and a prospect. I think that'd be a really good return for someone just coming off a career year. Um, you know, just something like that is, uh, it's the kind of trade you have to make. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, again, all about value. I think that you could definitely, honestly, depending on on, on who it was, because there are some ardent truthers out there that Cody Bellinger sucks. Um, you could probably get more. Um, I remember a couple of years ago in a dynasty league, I had this was a really bad trade on my part. Um, really bad trade. Looking back at it now, I was young. <laughs> I was dumb. I had Mookie Betts. Um, it was Mookie Betts coming off, not the MVP year, the year after. So it was going into, actually, it was Mookie Betts going into this year. Uh, so this 2021 season. Um, and I traded away Betts for Wander Franco and like three or four other players on like a first round pick in a first year player draft. They were all young players, not guys that were going to help me in, in the big leagues and whatnot. And my team was dog shit. It's in this league that doesn't exist anymore, but my team was dog shit. Um, so I traded away bets and like immediately I was like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> like I, I just traded away like the second best player at the time from a value standpoint in fantasy I'm the best team in baseball for Wander Franco and like five guys that aren't going to help me for three years. 
Um, so like you, you live and you learn, but um, again, the key, the, the word of the day, it's all about value. So um, there, there are trades to be had in dynasty leagues. You just have to, um, you know, you have to talk, you have to talk to every owner, be friendly to every owner. Don't send stupid fucking trades. That Don't send random no trades either. Talk to the people first before you send trades. Yeah. And don't send like Mookie bets for, I don't know, the two fucking guys that no one's heard of that are highly ranked, pro- like decently ranked prospects just because, you know, I don't know, he might accept it. It's just because it's going to turn him off from doing trades for you ever. Yeah. And you want, you want every team as like a resource. Have discourse, talk to people, reach out. Don't be a jackass. Um, you know, give fair offers. Like don't try to rip people off. You know, don't ever give an offer that if, if somebody proposed to you, you'd be like, what, what the fuck is this? Why is this guy offering me this? Don't do that. Um, you know, talk to people, reach out to people, be friendly. You guys are in a league together for a reason. Um, and yeah, so unless you have anything else, man, we can wrap this up. Uh, we'll, we'll be back with our, you know, NFBC ADP stuff either later this week or, or moving on into next week, but I don't have anything else. No, no, that's it. Nice little discussion. Yeah. All right, cool. So again, you can follow me on Twitter at Deegs baseball. You can follow Ryan. He's a better Twitter follower from a fantasy standpoint than me. Uh, at Ven underscore Armbarn. Again, you can find the podcast. It's just next on deck fantasy podcast. Um, rate, review, subscribe makes us very happy. And thank you for listening.